Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you t- making time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. Here's my first question. What, who, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Anybody? What's your favorite Christmas movie? Okay, so we have the... This is a philosophical dialogue on the internet. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? So, th- so there's people on this side of the equation. Anybody else? It's a wonderful Home Alone. Love Actually. Is that a Christmas movie or it's around Christmas? All right. <laughs> cool. Sound of Music. Okay, cool. So that's interesting. Like, I know we all have these kind of like favorite movies and... Um, there's a whole thing going on where, like, once December comes, people just, like, watch a movie, you know, a few movies a week almost. How do you get through all the Christmas movies? I don't know. Uh, but Matt mentioned Home Alone. I think that's probably one of the all-time most popular Christmas movies, right? It's about a kid, a boy, who his parents take off on vacation while he was supposed to be with them, and they forgot him at home. They only find out when they're landing uh, wherever they're going. I don't know how that could even be possible, that you cannot notice that your kid is not with you for 17 hours in a flight. But they left him there. He's left home alone to fight off robbers with an elaborate plan. He's a really smart kid. When par- the parents only find out when they land. And then, basically, while we see the movie unfold with him and the robbers, the parents are, you know, really trying hard to get back home to be there with their son. And then, of course, as the movie ends, they are home and they're together and there's love and there's concern and there's care. And I think that that whole theme of getting home for Christmas is, is like in a lot of different Christmas movies, right? In fact, even a whole bunch of sitcoms, when they have their Christmas special, uh, often there's this theme of like, I got to get home for Christmas or I got to be somewhere for Christmas. And one of the most famous songs around Christmas is, I'll be home for Christmas, right? The best time of the year. And so this all fits in. And I think there's something inside each and every one of us in all of our, in all of our souls, like whether you follow Jesus or not, or uh, even if you don't believe in God or not, I think there's something deeply rooted in our souls that we long for home or a home. And sometimes it can feel like a location, but it's really more than a location, And you read through the prophets in the Old Testament, and you read through some of the themes in Scripture as well, and part of it is this theme of getting back home, of getting back to a place. And like I said, sometimes it's a location throughout the prophets, even with the people of Israel being exiled and needing to be home, but more often than not, underneath the surface, it's about relationship, it's about being settled, it's about safety, it's about love, it's about belonging, I remember when I was a kid, we had, uh, I, I was born in Ontario, and then we moved to Montreal in the early 80s, and I was about eight years old. And my older brother, who was 10 years older than me, he stayed behind, like an 18 or 19-year-old, stayed back in Toronto for school and whatever. And so for the 13 years that my parents lived in Montreal, I, I never left, um, my older brother would always come, back, come to Montreal for Christmas. And, you know, the traffic on the 401 or snowstorms or whatever, like we'd always be anticipating him and my uncle and others that would come back or come to our house. And even if they arrived at 1230 at night, it didn't matter we all sat around the living room or the kitchen table and there was snacks and food and we stayed up for a couple of hours just because there was this like, oh, we're, we're together or we're home. And it wasn't really about the location. It was about that moment. 
And that's one of, these, one of the themes in Advent, not just the joy, peace, love, uh, you know, themes and hope, but an undergirding theme in Advent is that God has made a way to get us home, that God has made a way to get us home. There's this waiting for that that we see pre-Jesus and even towards the second coming of Jesus. In the first coming of Jesus, we understand that over centuries, even as, even as the last prophet spoke before the New Testament was ever written or Jesus came on the scene, there was 400 years of waiting for the Messiah. And now as we live in the tension of God's kingdom breaking in our world and the fullness of God's kingdom, we also wait for the fullness of God's kingdom in Jesus' second coming. And it is a homecoming. It is a homecoming. There's a banquet and there's a feast. And there's that line in Revelation that says, and God's dwelling place is now with you. He is with you, right? And so there's this theme of God making a way to get us home. And I want to read uh, from one of the prophets, Isaiah, today. If you got your Bible, you can turn to it. We'll have it on the screen as well. Or maybe you just want to listen to it. Because I think it's one of those prophetic texts that um, kind of sing as, as we read it. So if you want to shut your eyes and just listen to it, um, go ahead. Because I think it'll, uh, it'll help us get immersed in it. Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, well, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring goodness to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God, we just open up our hearts and our minds to hear this prophetic word in a fresh way today, maybe as a reminder or something brand new, and we just invite you to speak to us, God, um, to help us draw closer to you in these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's a beautiful text, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? I, I just enjoyed reading it. I thought we could just stop here and go home after that because it just, it's like it's done. Um, but I'll, I'll unpack a little bit. Like as, as Isaiah is writing these words, the context around this is that Jerusalem, the city, has fallen prey to another nation, which is the nation of Babylon. 
and it's fallen to Babylon, and Babylon has kind of taken siege in that way. And there's other scriptures, not just here, that will often help us understand what Israel was feeling, and Israel, and actually Judah, as the, the kingdom was split at this time. And they were feeling rejected. They were, they were feeling even God's wrath towards them as kind of like a retribution for their sin. They were feeling abandoned. Um, and it was their sin that got them into this place. In fact, one of the ways we often describe God's wrath is, is the unfolding of our sin, the implications of our sin, just in where we arrive because of our sin. And it was their sin that got them in this place, but God was not going to leave them there. God wasn't going to leave them there. And we see the ache that they have gone through, and even how it says they've done their duty. They've paid more than their share for this sin. And God does not want to leave them there. And John Golden Day, he's an uh, Old Testament scholar, he sees these four phrases of this voice calling as this commissioning, like God's commissioning these different roles, these different people. Who could fulfill this role to work in this project to get his people back home? As if God is commissioning these roles to get these people home, like towards the end, right? Verse 11, like I'm going to gather my lambs. That's kind of the, the whole trajectory of this. And this, this commissioning, this first one, I, I love how it sounds in verse 1, uh, because in verse 1 you just hear, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And there's, we don't know who, like, like God's saying, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Well, who's going to say this? Who's going to do this? Who's going to pick up this mantle? Who's, who's he commissioning? Who's going to say, yes, I'll do it. I will comfort your people. And it seems as though God's looking for a messenger of comfort to reconnect these disconnected people, to bring them back, to speak tenderly to those who are feeling rejected or are feeling abandoned. For as Judah has paid dearly for their sin, this season has gone long, way too long. And it's almost as though God is saying, enough is enough. Enough is enough. No more payment, no more disconnection, no more abandonment. You've been far too long and now under this siege. And God's commissioning comfort, but the question is, well, how is this going to happen? How is God's people going to be comforted? How are these people going to be comforted? And the big theme we get here is that first, God prepares this way. It's kind of like he's commissioning a construction project. It's another voice calling, right? In verse 3 and 4, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And all the people living off island from Vaudreuil say, amen, fix the bridge right away, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a, that would be a great prophetic message to come true like miraculously by Christmas. But another time, another place, another bridge, another era. <laughs> but have you ever been, have you ever driven in the wilderness? Have you ever driven in a place where you're like, I need the $200,000 Range Rover to get through this? Or I need that like Toyota Jeep that I see on the movies. Like where do they get those Toyota Jeeps that they can drive through anything? Uh, that's like in the wilderness, it's really tough. The terrain is tough, it's bumpy, it's difficult. And uh, I, I, think, I think when we see these scenes or if we've ever been there, we realize like this is really slow to get through this. Um, you, we're all sitting on this smooth floor and I know it has a warehouse feel, but before we leased this space and, and signed and started renovations, if you would have seen this floor 
I mean, no chair would have been leveled in this place. Like some people would fall over how, like, how crooked it was. In fact, like this whole area here was about six inches off the ground. Uh, there was holes and kind of potholes, and it was, it was unleveled. It was horrible. And in fact, it was so funny that, uh, you know, we were discussing and negotiating with the owner. Uh, one person said, well, like, it's fine. Like, can't you guys use it like this? I'm like, you, like, you can't even get a forklift in here. The forklift's going to fall over if you rent it to, like, an industrial company. Anyways, long story short, we thankfully came to an agreement, and this amazing company came in and, like, scraped everything, just scraped all the ups and downs, and then filled it with cement, and then put this really nice, smooth cement over it that your, your chair's not falling over today. And that's kind of what, what we feel here. Like verse 4 says, every valley will be raised up and every mountain will be made low and all the rough ground will become level and all the ruggedness will become smooth. And there's something about the difference of driving on bumpy ground versus smooth ground. I had um, helped a friend with a wedding a couple of years ago in Knowlton, out in the eastern townships. And um, we had gone into the area the night before. We were staying close to Magog, and Knowlton's like maybe 45, 50 minutes from there. And so I got up that day, and, and I, I, I you know, kind of got dressed and started to get to the wedding. And so I thought, I just put on my GPS where I needed to go. I kind of knew how to get there by highway, but I thought maybe there's a better way. So I followed my GPS. My GPS was as lost as I was. It was in, like, you know when you, like, you're, it keeps rerouting you, and this, this road doesn't even look like it's on a map, and it brought me through this gravel road, and I went from driving like 100 kilometers an hour to be like, if I don't drive less than 20, I'm going to break my suspension. Like, that's how bad it was. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting to get to a road that I can, like, up my mileage up to, like, you know, 80, 90, 100 kilometers an hour. And it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. But here's, here's the seat. This is kind of what we get here in what God wants to do. He says, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. God was commissioning kind of like a highway project so he could get to his people really quickly. So he can get there and bring them home. None of this wilderness terrain that would have taken hours, God says, no, I want to get to you, and I'm going to prepare a way. So this direct path for God to get to his people and get them home. And this line that we read here has become very famous to us because it's Isaiah writes it and says it, but we read it this morning in the Gospel of Mark. And the other gospel writers use it as well, because as the gospel writers are writing about the story of Jesus, how they saw it unfold, they're, they're looking at this, this you know, strange figure that, that, that preceded Jesus. His name was John the Baptist. He was like an Old Testament type of prophet, and he hung out in the wilderness. And he started to call people to this new thing that God was doing, that God was coming, his kingdom was coming, that people should be ready and they should repent and turn around from the way they're walking because they're going to miss what God's doing and he would be calling them back. And when the gospel writers put the pieces together, they say, oh, wow, I, I know what Isaiah was saying then, but I think he was also saying it about now, that this John the Baptist is one who comes to prepare the way for the Lord, to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And many of us know the rest of the story. Jesus shows up. John the Baptist is used by God to reorient people's perception, understanding, openness to the Messiah showing up in their time. And he would be one that would prepare the way for God. 
that would, would, would help people see who God is. This good news that we read later on in Isaiah, here is your God. He's here. He's present for you. Now, I know I'm, we're mixing like histories now, Isaiah and Mark, and when they both, you know, lived at a different time period. But my question is, if this is true, then what does God's glory look like? Well, it's his presence with us. And well, what does that look like? That seems pretty vague. Um, well, combine it with Isaiah's big message here of comfort. Because the, the, this text, this prophecy says that when, as God makes his way here, he's going to reveal his glory to us. And his revelation of glory is not just something grandiose, but it's actually bringing comfort to his people and bringing comfort to the world and bringing comfort, yes, to Israel, but then to the rest of the world. And we read kind of like the big and the small of what this comfort looks like and what this glory looks like. And, and it, it reads like this in verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. That's the big, sovereign, mighty arm of God that stands against the injustices of our world against the type of Babylonian oppression that Judah was facing at the time, the types of injustices and incoherencies and corruptions and principalities and powers that the scriptures speak about in our world. And part of God's glory, part of his bringing comfort is also that his mighty arm comes and he stands against evil and he stands against injustice. In fact, Revelation, the book of Revelation, identifies systems and worldly powers metaphorically as Babylon, but God's kingdom in the future as New Jerusalem. And there's like kind of like a play at words going on here, where the powers and principalities that continue to function with injustice, greed, oppression, corruption, that somehow even lurk inside of us, God with his mighty strong arm will come against them. And he's done it in part as Jesus breaks into the world, but he will do it in fullness one day as we wait for the kingdoms of our, our Lord to take over, to be over the kingdoms of our world. This is the beauty, right? Because we say, well, how does, how does comfort come? Well, God prepares the way so we can perceive his glory so he can provide his comfort. He prepares the way so we could perceive his glory and know who he is, so he, in that, provides his comfort. Because this is also how glory looks like. Verse 11 is, is a picture of glory from God. Maybe you've never seen it that way, but this is a picture of God's glory. Verse 11 says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young a God who, ten, who tends, who gathers, who carries, who gently leads, that's his glory on display. Sometimes we only think, oh, his glory is like big and loud, or his glory is like thick presence. But here we see that his glory is like a shepherd who comes and gathers and tends and carries and has concern and gently leads us. And we think back at the, to Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd, I lack nothing he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. He stands with me as I walk through the shadow of death or the valley of darkness. He walks with me and he's with me. And we can say that this is true, not because we have everything, but because we have him. 
right? Not because we have everything, but because we have him. And those both over history, those in the scriptures, and those since then that would attest and witness to say, I have experienced God's comfort and God's grace and God's goodness and God's presence, they will rarely say, I had this, 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 and this. It was all taken care of in my life. No, they rarely say that. There was moments of provision. There was moments of healing. There was moments of the miraculous. But most often what they say is, I have Jesus. I have God. I have him. He's been with me. This is why I know his comfort. And here, here's the beauty here. This is how it's all accomplished. Verse 8, and we read it to start our gathering, um, and we're going to read it now. Verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Here's another voice reminding us that we're, we're like grass. We're like flowers. There's some beauty to grass and flowers. There's purpose to grass and flowers. There's wonder to grass and flowers. But we also see in this text that there's a reali- realization that grass and flowers, they're frail. And they're fragile. And at times they can also wither away. And so even though it speaks to our mortality, to our frailty, to how fragile we are, partly because of our humanity, but partly because of our sin, too. And here's the thing. If, our, if your comfort and your salvation and my salvation and my comfort depends on just me, it's not going to last. It's going to fade away. If someone's comfort is only dependent on me and all I'm giving them is me, it's not going to last. It's going to fade. But here, Isaiah says, or God says through Isaiah, the word of God endures forever. That word forever means it's permanent. It's present. It's concrete. And and here's what it's getting to because it's describing some of the frailty of grass and flowers But when God intervenes, something happens. When God intervenes, God's at work. When God intervenes, his word makes a difference. And yes, we can kind of think about his word as we read it in the scriptures. We can think about his message to us. We should ultimately think about Jesus who is the word and, you know, the word become flesh. It's through his word, Jesus, that God intervenes and God is permanent and God can change and transform and bring comfort to our lives. And here's the beauty here. We can know this today, and we will know it fully in the future. That's partly what Advent is, that we will know it even more in the future. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to show up. In that moment, at least in that microcosm there, we could say those people caught it, those people saw it. And of course, over history, through the Gospels and the New Testament, we read the stories of others beyond the Jews that would come to know who Jesus is. So John the Baptist prepared the way Jesus showed up, but there's a promised future where Jesus shows up again. He's still present with us, but where he shows up in all of his fullness, in all of his leadership, as a ruler and king. It's amazing because we know God today because God intervened in history. We don't have to wait and say, when's God going to act? He's already acted in Christ. He's acted in the cross. He's acted in the resurrection, in the ascension, in the sending of his spirit. We can know God today because God intervened in history as Jesus showed up and everything else unfolded. But here's the thing. We know we live in the tension of the kingdoms of our world and the kingdoms of God. We know we rub against the conflicts and discomforts and disconnection and pain And some of the struggles we all face in between. Because while we know God is with us and present with us and it's all that we need, 
we still rub against the struggles. And here's the beautiful promise that we will know God's fullness because God will intervene in the future fully as Jesus comes back again. And that's part of what Advent is. That's why it's so important that in Advent, we just, we, we don't get, we, we just kind of wait a little bit to celebrate Christmas. And I know it's a big blur with the songs we sing and the themes we talk about, but I think it's so important that we can reflect in this way. So here's an invitation to a practice for you this week, and then I'll wrap up. Last week, Nathan did a great job as he's, you know, just helped us see, uh, I think it was Isaiah 64, yeah, and then some of the elements in there, the mountains and mountain and fire and wind and, and leaves and stuff. And so it was really cool that as we thought of those images and saw them, then as hopefully this week, if you saw some of those things, it's like just a reminder, you know, who God is and how God can be present. And so I want you to keep those elements as symbols in your mind from last week, and we see some of those symbols in this text. But this week, I want to add a layer to it, because as, as much as the elements are so important, and I encourage that in, in, in how we experience God, here we see something that I think really is, is more than just symbols, but it's actually the Scriptures, where the Word of the Lord endures forever. So I want to suggest Scripture or Word for this season, that not, not just thinking about objects, which is part of our, the way we grow and connect with God. But, but primarily here, we see this call to like, hey, let's lean into God's Word. And we, we have a practice on our website for Advent that gives you various options uh, as an adult for your kids. Um, you know, one from, a couple from the Bible Project, a couple from 24-7 uh, Prayer, uh, some links to music, where I, I really believe that if we can kind of like incorporate that and say, hey, in this season, we will be rooted in the Word because God's Word is permanent. So I'm going to encourage you to go back to that, to look to that, to find that up uh, on our website. But here, here's how I want to wrap up. And it's really simply this. I think everyone is looking for home. All of us are looking for a sense of home. We're designed for it. God's created us with that innate desire. The ultimate home is found in a relationship with God through Jesus. He is our peace. And as amazing and fun as some of the Christmas movies are where, like, the family's back together again or this gets resolved or, you know, this, is all, this all worked out, we know that ultimately there's a deep hunger in the human heart for a sense of home that none of these things can actually fully, fully meet. And we read it in the New Testament. I think it's Paul in Ephesians that says, He is our peace. He has broken down every wall. He is our peace. All of us are looking for home. And so here's my encouragement to you. I want you to know this. You are commissioned for comfort. You are commissioned for comfort. In a sense, God has commissioned comfort for you. You have been designed and God longs for you to find home with him. He's done that for you. He's created us in this way. And it's been made possible in Jesus. He's prepared the way so we could perceive his glory, so we could be provided with comfort through him and him alone. God has commissioned comfort for you to be at home with him. And if there's, if there's one thing you take away from today, if you feel like you're in a moment in a season where you long for the sense of home, my invitation to you is to put your trust in Jesus or to reroute yourself in the trust you have in Jesus because you've been commissioned for comfort. 
the comfort we speak about, God has made possible. He's made a way. He's created a path to get to you and to get to me in his son Jesus. And it's for you. So I want you to receive it. Welcome it. But this is important for you too. You, I believe that you're also commissioned to give comfort. You're also commissioned to be a steward of comfort. Not only that, you know, you know you're commissioned you know, for, to receive comfort, you're commissioned to be a steward of comfort. In other words, God wants to use you to bring comfort to others. God wants to use you and me to bring comfort. For, it's amazing hearing Wendy's stories up here, and she sits and stands or has a kind of a role where it gives her a really, really big vantage point to see some needs and be at the intersection of some needs. But you know what? You, I, each of us have an opportunity to be stewards of comfort. Everyone we lock eyes with longs for home. Everyone we lock eyes with. Not just, not just the home alone kind of home. Not just the Christmas cookies and late night snacks with my brother kind of home. But a sense of home that can only come when we say yes to God showing up in Jesus. The God who stopped at nothing to get to us. The God who stopped at nothing to prepare a way so you and I could have a sense of home with him, a sense of relationship with him. And here, here's this. What if you and I are part of the way that God wants to bring that comfort to others? He invites us to do that, to be praying for the people in our lives, to be present for the people in our lives, to be messengers of, of hope and comfort, the message of Jesus to people in our lives. Maybe even to inviting them this Christmas to our Christmas celebrations so they can be in an environment where they can be exposed to the invitation to come home in Christ, with Christ, the kind of home that their heart longs for. And so that's my invitation to you today. Think about this. You are commissioned for comfort to receive it. God's done everything in his power to get to you and to bring Jesus to us but you're also commissioned to bring comfort. God can use you in so many ways. And I, we know, we know story after story, and I know there's even some people here who just desperately also needing comfort today, and maybe you can be a steward of help to them. But like as we walk out these doors today, and as, we, as we're in a, you know, just a, a, a cluttered type of December, there's going to be people that are going to be on your path that so need to hear this, that so need to hear that God is commissioned comfort, and they can be recipients of it. Wouldn't it be amazing if they found it this season? Wouldn't it be incredible if, if you were part of the equation that God used to help them find it? That'd be amazing. That can happen if we allow ourselves to be used by God. Let's uh, pause and pray today. Our Heavenly Father, we're... Thank you. Thank you. You have made a way. You have prepared a way. You have raised the valleys and brought down the mountains and smoothed out the rugged patches. To come to us in your son Jesus. And we say thank you. We say thank you. And God, while it's in our own human nature, and myself included, we're often looking for comfort in some type of thing or product or solution. Oh God, I pray that we would truly experience you 
in the way you long for us to know you and experience you so that we can be able to witness and testify to truly say you have, you have been and are our comfort. And so we, we, we're so grateful today to know that you've prepared the way for us to perceive your glory as you have determined to provide us with comfort by bringing us into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. God, for anyone today who's here that is longing for that and is maybe just at the early stages of making a step into a relationship with you, God, I pray as we read about uh, your glory being revealed to us, God, that you would tenderly, with love and wisdom, reveal yourself to them. And as they make a step of faith, of trust to follow your son Jesus, that they would come to understand how much you have done and made a way to reach them and welcome them in. And God, as we leave these doors in a few minutes and head out into our week and meet up with friends and coworkers and neighbors and maybe some stressful situations at work or home or in the neighborhood, God, or maybe with our families, Lord, I pray that we would be able to know that you're present with us in our everyday life. And may we be stewards of this comfort, God. May we hear this commission, comfort, comfort my people. God, may we hear this commissioning from you. May we hear it as an invitation and say yes, that we will be your messengers of comfort in our world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you in your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless where you are in your spiritual journey, and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you, ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.